The following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Coming down the aisle at a total combined weight of 471 pounds, Casey Cage, Chad Jackson, Riker, Lale. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Wrestling for the Faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I'm Casey Cage. I'm Chad Lale. All right. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. And uh, we pray that. Uh, these episodes of Wrestling for the Faith are being a blessing to you. I know for me personally, it's a blessing for me uh, to get that, to sit down and, you know, have this study. And, you know, all week we bounce things off of each other. And that just, it helps to feed me personally. And it's, it's a blessing to me if it's not a blessing to anyone else. So, <laughs> amen. No, it's a blessing to me too, brother. It's really nice to get a chance to dive into the word. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy it. I enjoy the fellowship and I enjoy putting out these episodes and getting a chance to listen back to them and getting feedback from, uh, you know, you get, you get some emails. I know that come through telling you how, how much they've helped somebody through the week. So that's a blessing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great stuff. Uh, always, you know, getting the email feedback and the, the Twitter and Instagram DMS and stuff like that. That's, it's, uh, it's awesome to know that uh, the Lord is using something that, you know, he speaks through us to help others. So, you know, amen. Lord, just let it keep happening. Amen. Amen. It's crazy. You can use these uh, platforms, man, these social media platforms. It can be, <laughs> it can be bad sometimes, but it's, you know, I was talking to a pastor this past Sunday when I, I got a chance to preach in Florida and he was just talking about, He'd never been a social media guy. I didn't know what Facebook was. And, you know, he's a, he's an old church of God minister from, you know, he's probably in his, I guess, late fifties, early sixties. And he was just saying how, how they started utilizing the, the YouTube uh, live feed and just, you know, he didn't know who you were reaching, but he would get emails from different States uh, just kind of reaching out to him. And, and it was just, you know, it's great. We can use this man. We can use this platform yeah. that we have here. You know, I have always had such a love-hate relationship with social media. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before. I loved oh, yeah. it when I was marketing Casey Cage's character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but other than that, I, I'm not one to want to put all kinds of personal stuff all over it. Uh, and so there's been so many accounts that I've had and deleted and had and deleted and I just, I go through these phases of where I love it and I hate it, but I have figured out that it is, uh, easy, an easy platform to share Jesus on. So, uh, that's, Amen. that's the biggest reason that I have any of it at all. And, uh, before I forget, if anyone has questions, comments, or thoughts, uh, any kind of feedback, you can email us at wrestling for the faith at gmail.com. Uh, you can keep up with the uh, podcast at facebook.com slash wrestling for the faith. I am at real Casey cage on Twitter and Instagram. And Chad is at Jackson Riker, WWE Twitter and Instagram there too. That's right. That's right. All right. So last week uh, we kind of got excited and uh, we jumped over some things that you brought to my attention after we finished recording. And it, it's some of the most important verses in acts chapter two. Uh, we got excited talking about God's 
uh, church growth model and how 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom in that one day uh, after Peter stood up and preached this inaugural message. But uh, these verses that we're going to focus on tonight is Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 39. I'll go ahead and just read those, and then we can just get into discussion because this is kind of uh, this is kind of Peter's altar call. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're very, very important. So Acts, uh, chapter two, beginning at verse 36 says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord, our God will call. I like, you know, I think uh, last week we, shut off air. I I talked about verse 37. One has really always stood out to me where it says they were cut to the heart. And it reminded me of, um, I want to say John 20 or 21 or somewhere in there. Once Jesus was crucified and he started walking uh, with these two disciples and, you know, they mentioned how when this man, Jesus was talking to them, that their hearts were ablaze. And so that really stands out to me there that, you know, the proof and sincerity of, uh, of, of the repentance of these men and, and I'm sure women who were in this crowd, um, that was the true sincerity of them repenting and wanting to have a relationship with Jesus and wanting. And that's a true to me testimony of, of Peter's transformation of, you know, the, what the disciples went through and, and, you know, the power of the Holy spirit, because we already see that the Holy spirit has fallen upon Peter and the disciples, but we really get a taste of the power of the gospel per se, as he is preaching this sermon. Uh, and that's what he's doing. He's preaching this sermon. He's making this altar call. And he mentions in verse 38, uh, repent, you know, and call upon the name of Christ. So it's, it's, it's so much packed in just the two verses here. And, you know, it's funny cause you can, try and cram the Bible in, you know, a huge reading in one day, but sometimes you'll get to one verse, like verse 37 is to me and you'll just sit on it. And that's really what stood out to me. This whole, you know, th- these three, four verses that we're touching on tonight is how their hearts were ablaze. And it reminded me of when I was 17, you know, sitting in the back pew of a church of God and this pastor, John Banks was preaching revival, hell, fire, and brimstone and gospel and Jesus. And, how my heart was literally like burning in my chest. And I'm sure you can, you know, attest to that as well, brother. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I remember the time well, and, uh, you know, I was sitting on my recliner, um, at the house, watching a, watching a pastor on TV. And, uh, that conviction was so strong that it was overwhelming and the the Holy spirit drawing me. And that's one of the Mm -hmm. things that, people need to understand so many people have the idea. Well, you know, whenever I feel like getting right with God, uh, 
you know, I'll just, uh, I'll get right with God. I'll, I'll say the prayer whenever I feel like it, or I'll go to God. I'll get saved when I feel like it. They don't want to uh, give up the life that they have. And they just say, well, you know, whenever, whenever I feel like it, I'll, I'll go and get saved. What people don't understand is you cannot get saved by simply repeating a prayer, right? The Holy spirit has to draw you. And, uh, you know, Romans chapter one talks about how, how there's this progression of evil and, and just this, uh, decline in society. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing until, until some people, uh, God has dealt with so many times. God has, uh, pricked their heart as it says here, uh, cut their heart and, and tried to draw them to him. And they refused to repent. They refused to come to him. Uh, and it says in Romans chapter one, that some are turned over to a reprobate mind, which means that their conscience is seared. And when they have come to that point, they will no longer have a desire uh, to ever come to God. So when, when you do feel the conviction of the Holy spirit, when you do feel God drawing you to salvation, it's very important that we don't just turn away and push away at this. Uh, God is love. He does love you. He, he, he wants a relationship with you, but there are times where he says, okay, this is the, this is the choice that you're making. This is the life that you want. Uh, and, and kind of bows out. Yeah. So it's very important to, for us to heed the conviction of the Holy spirit when it comes. Didn't kind of, you know, if you think about it, going back to the old Testament and, and the, the Exodus, you know, God kind of, he did that in a way I'm, I'm thinking with Pharaoh, like he gave Pharaoh all these opportunities to um, obviously free his people and all this stuff, but he continued to harden his heart. And you see that I think in the world where, Maybe it's uh, someone thinks that they're, you know, too far in sin or, you know, I heard a, a story the other day, a friend of mine was telling me about um, her two roommates and, you know, she is, my friend is trying to get closer to the Lord and, and working on her relationship with Jesus. And she's trying to say, hey, you know, why don't you guys go to church with me? Cause they're kind of living a, a different life. And they made the uh, statement of, uh, you know what, we're going to hell anyway. Like there's no point. And I was like, man, that is, wow that it broke my heart, man, because, you know, even in my sinful, you know, uh, I'm a sinner every day, but in my life, in my twenties, when I was living a different lifestyle, I don't think I ever made that, that statement of, you know what, I'm going to hell anyway. I can just continue to live this way. I was convicted constantly. And I thank God that he never, you know, perhaps shut that door on me and gave up on me. I, I don't know how you feel. And I'm trying to study a little bit more about it, but is there a moment in someone's life when they harden their heart so much to the Lord or to the knock of the Lord that, you know, um, calling on their life that God says, okay, I'll wash my hands. And he per se walks away. Uh, where, how do you feel about that? I feel like, yes, there is a hardening of the heart so hard sometimes that God's just like, 
I don't know. (laughs) I can't speak for the Lord, but you know, that's how I feel. And, and we, we've got to understand that it's never God leaving us. Right. We have hardened our heart. And I believe that goes back to that Romans chapter one, uh, where he turns them over to a reprobate mind. Yes. And that's what that means. They, they no longer will have a desire to come to God. And so, yeah, I do believe that there is a point uh, that that happens. But like I said, we've got to understand it's not God leaving us. Uh, He has pursued and pursued and pursued and pursued. And none of us are the judge of how long God will pursue an individual. So we don't know. All I can say from my understanding of the person with a reprobate mind, if you still have any desire, even if you are living in sin, uh, but if you still have any kind of desire to try to turn your life over to God at some point, then you have not come to that reprobate mind point. Now, from my understanding, the person who has been turned over to the reprobate mind will live the rest of their lives uh, not caring anything about God or coming to God. That's mm-hmm. just from the little bit of study that I've done into it. But, but that's a very serious place that uh, we need to, uh, you know, everybody needs to make sure that they listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit when he is, when he is tugging at them. It's, it's a very important thing. I don't know where in this world I would be if I had not surrendered to Jesus May 6, 2012, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, and Lord knows I'm not perfect now, but you know, I do have the Holy spirit living in me and every day I, I, when I pray in the morning, there's things I'm working on, but I always quote the scripture, you know, Christ lives in me. You know, I am, you know, one with the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit lives in me. I'm a child of God. And I constantly am making these declarations in my life. My pastor speaks about declarations that we should declare over our, our family, over our lifestyle, over our home. And I think it's very important that we are constantly keeping this door open um, to our relationship with the Holy spirit. And, and cause you gotta be, you know, I'm, I'm doing a study and brother, we could probably do five or six weeks of episodes just on Ephesians six and the armor of God. I'm not trying to put it together of how important it is to wear this armor of God. Uh, and in this world we live in for sure, sh- for sure. And the things that we deal with. Oh, it definitely is. So the word repent here, Peter uses it. Uh, they ask, what shall we do? And the first thing that Peter says is repent. And so, uh, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I want to go back to it because this is very important. Most people, when they hear the word repent, uh, they think of just asking forgiveness. And like we've talked about before, I used to live my lifestyle of sin. And then when I would get to the hotel room or wherever I was staying, when I was on the road that night, I would, after, after a night of partying and, and, you know, womanizing and all this other garbage, I'd lay down in the bed and say, Lord, forgive me. And then I'd go to bed and I'd get up the next day and go to the next town and do it all over again. And then before 
uh, I would go to sleep. Oh, Lord, forgive me. And uh, I thought that even though I was not saved and I thought I was saved at that time, but, but I thought that that was doing something for me. But the dive that I'm about to take into this word repent, I want everybody to listen very, very carefully because this gives you a whole new idea. Repent in the English. Uh, I looked up the Webster's uh, dictionary ver- uh, definition and it says to feel or express regret or remorse about wrongdoing or sin. Okay. Now, here's, here's the reason that I tell so many people, uh, don't just read the Bible, but study the Bible. Amen. Because some of the words in the original language uh, in the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek that the Bible was originally written in, they don't necessarily mean what was translated in our English version. Right. So it's very important to look into this stuff. So English version or English definition of repent to feel or express regret or remorse about wrongdoing or sin. Now check out the Greek word for repent, which is metanoia. Mm -hmm. The Greek definition is a transformative change of heart, especially a spiritual conversion. And I've talked about that word metanoia before. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis. And I've always used that, uh, that example of the caterpillar and he goes into the cocoon and then he breaks out and he's, he's a beautiful butterfly. Right. Okay. That is the picture of what the word in the Bible that's translated repent That's what that means. So going back to my old habit of doing all my stupid stuff and then laying down before I go to sleep, Lord, forgive me. That was not doing nothing. That was not doing anything. I I was asking for forgiveness, but I did not repent because I did not transform. If I would have truly repented, then I would have transformed there would have been a transformation in my life. So for those listening out there, if you say that you have repented, if you say that you have been saved, you need to ask yourself, do you have the fruit of this in your life? Have you been transformed? You should be as second Corinthians five seventeen says a new creation. Mm -hmm. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything is new. It's not saying that we're perfect. It's not saying that we'll never mess up or miss the mark, but on the inside of us, if we can, you know, uh, John says it, I think in one of the epistles, I can't remember if it's first, second or third John, but he says, uh, he says, if you go on willfully sinning, you were never with us. Right. They were never one of us. If, if they go on and can continue continually and willfully live in a lifestyle of sin. So going back to that word, repent, we need to understand that you can ask forgiveness all day long, but the Bible don't just say, ask forgiveness. The Bible says to repent. If you have not repented and been transformed, 
then you have not been forgiven, which means you are not saved. That's a very important key for people to understand. I have some notes here and, and about repent. And, you know, it says you mentioned met, metanoia, I believe is what we just said. Another meaning in the Greek was to turn away from. So it was more than just feeling bad, but repentance requires a change of attitude and, it, and it's turning from trusting self to trusting Christ. And, and just as you were talking about this, I started thinking about people who, you know, you invite them to church, you invite them to uh, whatever it may be. And they go, ah, you know, I'm really not into religion. Well, that's good because what we, you and I, I think we like to talk uh, about here is relationships. So when you truly repent, you know, if you, you're living like you and I did in our 20s or years ago and we wake up every morning and we're like, oh, God, I repent for what I did last night. Like you said, that's not true repentance. Like we weren't being renewed. We weren't Romans 12 two being transformed by the renewing of our mind. But we were just continuing to live in sin. <clears throat> so I like to say it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Yes. It is about having that true um, relationship with Christ it is about being in your Bible and reading it, uh, not as just some, you know, fairy tale, but reading to, to understand and to get the living word of God into your heart. And that's when you truly get that repentance. You truly get that, you know, born again, creation, the new creation, the transforming of your mind where you don't want to live in the flesh anymore. As you know, as first John, uh, chapter two speaks of living in the flesh and living for the world. You want to live and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. And once again, we beat it against the wall that it doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you're not going to sin because Lord knows we've, we're all sinners and falling short of the glory of God. But to have that true relationship with Jesus, we know that it's not about, you know, saying, Lord, uh, I'm sorry for today, but it's having a, a pure heart. And it's having the Holy Spirit convict you of that sin that you don't enjoy living in anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's the big difference in the, the sinner and the saint. And that, that, that goes kind of along with something else. Uh, yes, we, we sin, we mess up. Uh, we are not perfect, but, uh, our imperfection is no excuse to lay down and live in sin. And, you know, the, uh, I don't know if it's something that, that you're big on using, but I hear Christians all the times. So, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Here's, here's a problem that I have with that. Uh, you can't be both. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. Yeah. You, you can be a sinner who was saved by grace, but you cannot be both of them at the same time because the Bible actually says that you become a child of God. And, and so when you are a child of God and the Bible actually calls us saints. So we have moved from sinner to saint. And I think, I, I think that hurts a lot of people too, because a lot of people who I know who, who try to use the old sinner saved by grace thing, uh, that is something that I feel like blocks the new creation in them. I feel like it does not let them uh, know their true identity because if they always just feel, Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, then 
They can never open up and truly realize, no, the Bible calls you a saint. The Bible calls you a child of the living God. You are not who you used to be. That old man is crucified. That old man was buried. That old man is dead. And, and so that's something that we've got to understand too. We need to know that we are a child of God. We need to understand our identity in Christ. Romans 6 says that we were were crucified with him, buried with him, and raised to walk in a newness of life. We are crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. I think that's mine and your favorite verse in the whole scripture. (laughs) But I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes. The the old Casey is crucified. The old Chad is crucified. Mm -hmm. They're gone. We might mess up from time to time, but that's, that's, that's our flesh. That's not, that's not the, the, that old filthy sinner in us because that one is dead. As long as we keep our faith anchored in Jesus and his finished work, that old man is dead. Right. And you know, uh, I was looking up this verse while you're speaking of that being a child of God, being reborn, you know, the old being, you know, dead and the new being born. Uh, John one, 12 and 13, it says yet to all who did receive him, uh, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And it just makes me think about, you know, verse 38, where he says, repent and be baptized, you know, in the name of Jesus. And when, when you do that, when you truly do that, like you mentioned that you are reborn, we are adopted into this uh, family into this heavenly kingdom. Um, we are giving the opportunity to have the Holy spirit breathe upon us to come into our heart, to transform our life. You mentioned last week, the, the bucket of water that sat for a year and is just stagnant with, you know, you know, whatever, uh, mosquitoes flying all of it molded it's because nothing has happened. Not, there's no shaking of the waters and no stirring of the water. But when we allow this <clears throat> truth to come into our heart, the good news that is the gospel, when we allow, allow the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit to come into us, when we truly repent and call upon the name of Jesus, that's when we see this bucket start to shake and all that stagnant water, you know, become fresh, become new. Uh, it's it's just amazing to think, I, you know, I speak about it all the time to sit back and comprehend and, and or try and comprehend and go, wow, I'm adopted into this heavenly family that when I take my last breath what to worry about where I'm going, you know, Amen. if you're worrying about when I die, am I going to go to heaven? Then you, this is just a truthful statement. I think you need to check your relationship with Jesus because I never worry about that. Yeah. Some days worry about, or think about, you know, what can I do to be a better father, better husband, better man. But I never go, man, when I die, am I going to go to hell? I don't have to worry about that because I know I am a child of God and I'm born into this and he lives in me. Amen. That's man. That's the truth. Thank you for, thank you for Mm. your saving power. That's amen. That's awesome. Just good. uh, Right. (laughs) It is man. It is Lordy Lordy. Um, 
So Peter, the first thing he says is repent. So he's saying, he's saying that you basically, uh, you admit that God is right and you are wrong and, and you, you forsake your sin. You ask for forgiveness and you turn to God's, you go God's direction. So he says, repent and be baptized uh, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Okay, so I want to uh, jump on this for just a second. There are some denominations out there who teach that water baptism uh, is what saves you, but it's not. Water baptism is an outward sign of what has taken place uh, in the spiritual realm, in, in God's eyes, like we just talked about a minute ago, the Romans six, you're crucified with Christ, you're buried, you're raised. Uh, so water baptism is an outward sign of what has taken place uh, spiritually. Once a person has been born again, we have been crucified with Christ, uh, buried, raised. Water baptism does not save us. We are saved and our sins are forgiven because we have placed our faith in Jesus's finished work. So for anybody, and uh, as my testimony goes, I repeated a prayer at the age of 14 and I was water baptized. Uh, I thought I was saved at that moment. But looking back after what happened to me at the age of 26, and I compare that to age 14, uh, yes, I had seeds planted in me growing up in church, uh, but I never had that desire to become a new creation. Right. I, I never had that desire to be transformed. That's why I say I was not truly born again until May 6, 2012. But I said a prayer at 14 and I got water baptized at 14. But the only thing that happened is. I went down a dry center and came up a wet center. So so if you have not truly uh, accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are, water baptism does you no good. Right. And, you know, we touched, and I had to ask you this week, we were talking about oneness, I believe. And I said, what is that? And you, you, uh, kind of opened my eyes to do a little bit more study about it and, and ask myself, does scripture, must we be baptized in order to truly be saved? And scripture tells us, no, the Bible doesn't teach that. And you pointed a good fact out to me that, um, well, so real quick, you know, being baptized is outward demonstration of the inward reality of Jesus Christ in the person's life. So I asked you, you know, what your what your thoughts were on it. And you said, well, you had the sinner on the cross beside Jesus that, you know, Jesus said, you know, because you believe in me today, you will be with me in heaven or in my kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he was never baptized, but Jesus sat there and told him, you will be in the kingdom of God with me. Like you would stand with me or whatnot. So that there tells me, I mean, there's so many different, uh, you know, things in scripture that, that I was kind of reading through throughout the book of Acts three, you know, Acts five, Acts 10, uh, and these are just little side notes. If you want to do a little more studying on it, who's listening, but if baptism is essential for sal- salvation, it seems strange that in these different sermons that Peter preached, um, 
he doesn't mention it anymore. He mentions repenting of your sins. If you go through these verses, he speaks of repenting of our sins and calling on Jesus, repenting of your sin, calling on Jesus. And really the only time I think he mentions from what I can understand is what we're reading right here about being baptized. Uh, I think this is something we could dive into a whole episode upon. I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about it, but now opening my eyes to it. Yes, I've been baptized, but <clears throat> does the Bible truly teach that you must be baptized to, I guess, go to heaven or if you're truly saved or whatnot? To me, it doesn't. There's so many things it points to, right? Right. Well, and I believe that water baptism is is important. We don't want people yes. to get the wrong idea. It is important. Right. I mean, Jesus, uh, Matthew 28, he he told the disciples uh, to to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is not salvation, and that's what people need to really grab a hold of. It's not salvation. Uh, that Acts ten that you mentioned just a little while ago. Uh, if water baptism was their salvation. So Peter is preaching at the house of Cornelius and as he's preaching, the Holy spirit falls on them. And these people begin uh, speaking in tongues and magnifying God. (laughs) Okay. And then Peter looks at the Jews who are with him and says, well, uh, since the same Holy spirit that we have just fell on them, uh, is there any reason not to mer- permit them to be water baptized? Right. <laughs> so right. they had been saved and filled with the Holy spirit all at one time right there. And, and then they took them to water baptizing. So, yeah. I mean, and, that and, should be a clear, <clears throat> clear thing right there. Right. And, and once again, I want to reiterate, and you said it a minute ago, we are not saying don't get baptized because yes. to me, it's very important as a believer. Um, that you it's the the outward i guess profession or whatever where you're stepping out and you're letting people know that this is very important to me i'm going to do this i am you know not the one who is uh, that just raised my hand in in the you know church service but i'm gonna make this declaration in front of the whole church in front of my family that i am changing my life that i'm going to be made new but uh wearsby i'm a big warren wearsby i have a few commentaries, but <clears throat> so we were talking about the thief on the cross. We're talking about the, the, the ones in Cornelius's home who were not even baptized, but they received the Holy spirit. But we can also look at Hebrews 11, you know, this hall of faith, this great men of faith in Hebrews 11. And he made a good point. They were not baptized. So does this mean they weren't saved? No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, this, the Hebrews 11 is a very, very cherished, you know, uh, chapter in Hebrews. It talks about, truly having faith and truly believing in Jesus Christ and repenting and, and calling on his name and these men and women who were, they weren't baptized. But right. once again, we're not promoting, not getting baptized. Exactly. No, we, we should do it. Uh, we should do it, but it is yes. not your salvation. It does not add to your salvation. And it does not mean that you are not saved. If you have not been water baptized, if you can be water baptized, by all means, be water baptized. Uh, but for for some people who, you know, may have uh, some sort of a, a disability and they cannot do that. Right. Don't feel like you can't. Or for those who in their last breath uh, ask 
Jesus into their heart. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe that anyone should ever wait for that time, but I do believe that people can get saved in their last, uh, in their last few seconds on this earth. Amen. So yep. it does not mean I, I don't believe God is saying, I don't believe God is looking at someone who is dying of cancer, who has, who has never repented uh, and they look up to the heavens and say, you know, Lord, forgive me, Jesus come into my life. I don't think God is looking back at them saying, ah, sorry, you've only got 10 seconds left. You don't have time to be water baptized. Right. Truly. I feel, I believe that. And yeah, man, we can, there's so many, I guess, examples that we can chat about, you know, children who aren't baptized yet, but you know what I mean? It's just it's so much we can jump into on that. Right. So real quick, before we wrap this up, I want to go ahead and throw this out there too. Uh, Peter says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Okay. In the name of Jesus is not a baptismal formula. Jesus gave the only baptismal formula in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Peter said, be baptized in the name of Jesus, uh, meaning by the authority of Jesus. See, Jews had been baptizing before Jesus came. So Peter was saying this to give the understanding that faith was to be in Jesus and his finished work. Uh, He is the Messiah and all power in heaven and earth. Uh, He has been given all power on heaven and earth. So uh, there's the argument over, well, should you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or should you baptize in the name of Jesus? Jesus said, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't believe that in the name of Jesus is a baptismal formula that that we were supposed to take uh, to this level. Uh, there's some out there who believe that if you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, then you're not truly saved. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I, I don't care if you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Nazareth. I don't care. You know, the thing is, it, it's it's about where your faith is. Yeah. So there's uh, there's that debate, but I don't believe it should be a debate. It's I believe that this is talking about in the authority of the name of Jesus to separate. Uh, the understanding of what the Jews did prior to Jesus's coming. And even John the Baptist who, who was baptizing, uh, mm-hmm. but he was not baptizing in the authority of Jesus because he had not yet, uh, began his ministry and started, um, started preaching the kingdom and, uh, ultimately went to the cross. So you got any thoughts on that? No, I think you covered it well, man. And, and really, um, I'm looking at, at, you know, verse number 39, and I'm just kind of sitting on that promise, uh, you know, that they talk about as Peter finishes up this sermon. Um, you know, it says, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And it just goes back to the beginning, I think, where we talked about, uh, you know, knowing that the Lord is calling on you, 
and not hardening your heart. And, you know, if the promise is for us all who call in his name, I was thinking about, you know, Philip and the Ethiopian in, in the book of Acts uh, chapter, oh man, terrible in chapters 10 or, or something eight. around there. You might, there you go. Chapter eight. And here's this, you know, it, it just goes to show that this promise is for everybody who has this hunger and this burning one again, once again, you know, this burning in their heart and ask, you know, what shall we do to receive this promise? What, what can we do to, you know, to have this relationship with Jesus? And it's just, it's being open and it's, it's, it is for us all. It's for whoever's listening right now, you know, whatever you're going through, maybe you're listening by accident. Maybe someone turned you on to the podcast and you don't know if, you know, you're saved. Uh, then that's really where you got to start diving into your relationship with Jesus. Amen. And uh, my final words on this chapter, uh, something that I was thinking about, talking about verse 39, Malachi chapter three and verse six, it says, I am the Lord, your God, and I do not change. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 13, eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so if God the Father does not change, if Jesus the Son does not change, the Holy Spirit does not change. Amen. Therefore, the promise is to whosoever will. Yep. Amen. Good. That was a good finish note. <laughs> good. Yes, sir. All right. You got anything else before we wrap her up? No, I think, I think we've touched, we've had a bunch of good topics tonight and, and I'd like to hear, you know, people's feedback a little bit on the baptism stuff. There's a lot we can touch on on that. Um, I really learned this week kind of preparing for this uh, episode and, you know, just affirmation and knowing that and I'm a child of God, man, you know, and, and just knowing that what we're talking about, we're letting the Holy spirit lead us and just, continuing to share the gospel, man, sharing, continuing to share Jesus and, and, and letting people know that that promise that we talked about here at the end is for you, no matter what you're going through in life, that promise that agape love uh, is for you and God loves you. Amen. All right, everyone. We love you. We thank you for joining us. Be sure to share this uh, podcast with others. Let people know about it. Um, and we will, we will talk. Well, we will. You can hear us next week. <laughs> God there you bless. go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Wrestling for the Faith. We encourage you to subscribe and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.